Chapter twenty two of the Love Affairs of Pixie by Mrs. George de Horn Vesey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He loved her. For the next week, all went well. Pat's improvement, though slow, was so sure that a definite date was named on which he should be allowed to take his first few steps the doctor grimaced to pixie as he gave this promise as if to insinuate that the experiment would not be pleasant but pat was prepared in theory at least for anything and everything if thereby he might regain his freedom stephen glenn paid daily visits to the flat and in addition escorted pixie to various sites of the great city in which to tell the honest truth she showed but little interest music was a passion with her but of pictures she had no knowledge and little appreciation the antiques in the national gallery left her cold and bored though she was full of interest in what seemed to her companion the most uninteresting men and women who were employed in copying the canvases when with the frankness of criticism which she had learned from herself he rallied her on this inconsistency pixie's answer was characteristic one is dead the other's alive the most uninteresting live person means more to me than a world of pictures that girl in the grey dress had tears in her eyes did you see she looks so poor perhaps she wants to sell her copy and no one will buy there was a man talking to the fat woman next to her as we passed through before he was writing something in his pocket-book i believe he was buying the picture and the poor grey girl felt so sad if esmeralda were here i'd make her buy her copy too it's a very bad copy stephen pronounced then he looked down at the girl and a transforming smile lit up his face all the same would i do instead of esmeralda i'll buy it at once if you wish it the grey eyes brightened beamed then clouded with uncertainty really ought you are you sure it may cost that's my affair leave that to me would you like me to buy it i would came back at once in the deepest tone of the eloquent irish voice and at that stephen strode forward his limp hardly observable on the wide smooth floor and came to a halt by the grey girl's side then followed what was to one spectator at least a delightful scene the surprise on the grey girl's face the incredulity the illimitable content as the tall stranger made known his request took out his pocket-book and handed her a card emotional pixie had the softness of tears in her own eyes as stephen rejoined her and they walked away together down the long room well he said smiling on your head be it now she'll go on painting atrocities and wasting good time when she might be sweeping a floor it's against my principles to encourage the desecration of art why did you do it then pixie demanded heartlessly but next moment she smiled a beautiful smile i know thank you never mind about desecration art can look after itself and she can't and even if that particular picture isn't beautiful you've given me another that is 
the picture of her happy face i think she concluded slowly it's going to help me it will be a contrast to turn to when i see that other she sighed as she invariably did when referring to those moments on the liverpool landing stage but she shook off the depression with a characteristic gesture a defiant little shake not only of the head but of the whole body and cried briskly now let's imagine what she does when she goes home with that check at home in the little flat music made part of every day's programme pixie seated on the hearth rug would sing irish ballads in a voice of crooning sweetness she and pat would join in duets occasionally stephen was persuaded to join in a trio and presently as the performers became worked up to their task they would recall one by one performances of bygone days and perform them afresh for the delectation of their visitor pixie whistled a bird-like accompaniment to pat's deep drone pat retiring bashfully beneath a sheet whistled in his turn not only an air but actually at the same time an accompaniment thereto a soprano and contralto combination of sounds so marvellous to hear that he was compelled to repeat the performance unmasked before stephen would believe its authenticity fired by the success of their efforts combs were then produced and swathed in paper turned into wind instruments of wondrous amenability surprising effect of a duet upon combs again when towards the end of the week the repertoire gave out and what shall we sing next to fail of an answer pixie revived another old knock accomplishment which was neither more nor less than impromptu recitatives and choruses a bass recitative by pat on the theme and she went to find some matches and there were none tum tum led the way to the liveliest of choruses in which goaded by outstretched fingers and flashing eyes stephen was forced to take his part there were none there were none piped pixie in the treble and she went and she went rumbled pat in the bass matches matches fell from stephen's lips on a repeated high tenor note through ever-increasing intricacies and elaborations ran the chorus until at last at a signal from the soprano it approached its close the three singers proclaimed it in unison that there were none and promptly fell back in their seats in paroxysms of laughter in the course of the last twenty years had he laughed as much as he had done within the last wonderful week stephen asked himself the question as he walked home the night after the singing of the matches chorus and there was little hesitation about the answer a week ten days of unshadowed happiness and companionship and then a cloud arose pat was not well he grew worse he grew seriously ill the knee itself had done all that was expected of it but the first attempt at walking to which the poor fellow had looked forward as to a festival proved in reality a painful and depressing experience back in his bed limp with pain and exhaustion poor pat realized his own weakness with a poignancy of disappointment 
he had expected to be able to walk at once though not perhaps for any length of time and these few stumbling steps had been a bitter revelation all these weeks of confinement and suffering and now a long and dragging convalescence pat's heart swelled with bitterness and rebellion despite the presence of pixie and the constant visits of his friend he was sick sick to death of the one small room and the monotonous indoor life and as a young man successfully started in a young business he longed with ardour to get back to his work the world looked very black to pat o'shaughnessy for the rest of that day and atmospheric conditions did not help to cheer him it was raining a slow relentless rain and in the air for days past had been a rawness a chill which crept to the very bone pixie drew the curtains over every chink and hung a shawl over the end of pat's bed to still further screen him from draughts but pat was not in the mood to be coddled and had that shawl whisked to the ground before one could say jack robinson he was curt and silent in his manner and rare and significant sign partook of a fragmentary tea nothing was right everything was wrong his patience was exhausted and though he remained studiously polite to his friend with his sister he unrestrainedly let himself go don't wiggle pixie don't shout don't tell us that story all over again don't lean against my bed don't sit between me and the fire so on it went all through the afternoon which as a rule was so cheery and peaceful and if pixie preserved a placid composure stephen glynn was far from following her example he relapsed into a frigid silence which added but another element to the general discomfort the final stroke came when pixie lifted the despised shawl and attempted to wrap it round pat's shoulders and was rudely repulsed and told to mind her own business and not be a fool then with his air of grand seigneur stephen glynn rose from his chair and made his adieu cold as crystal was his manner as he extended his hand to the invalid on his bed and pixie followed him on to the little landing apologetic and miserable you're going so soon if you could stay and talk hard it might divert him from himself he needs diverting i cannot stephen declared it's beyond me after all you have done after all your care to speak to you so rudely he had passed through the front door of the flat and pixie stood within the threshold her hand clasping the handle of the door her face tired and strained raised to his own he didn't she cried quickly oh he didn't it wasn't pat who spoke it was the pain the pain and the tiredness and the disappointment they force out the words haven't you found that yourself but his heart doesn't mean them he's all raw and hurting and i worried him i i shouldn't have done it you must be angry with me not with pat stephen gave her a long strange look i think i-he began and stopped short suddenly what queried pixie and there was a long pause i-i don't know he answered dreamily then 
and without a word of farewell turned away and descended the steps but he did know in the moment in which he had stood facing her while she pled her brother's cause the secret of his own heart was revealed never under any circumstances could he be angry with pixie o'shaughnessy he loved her she was for him the one woman in the world with all the stored-up love of his empty life he loved her and longed for her for his own that was the reason of his happiness during the past days of the extraordinary new zest and interest in life which had filled his mind of his content in pixie's contentment his anxiety for her anxiety his furious resentment when she was abused and he loved her he loved her when she lapsed into her irish brogue and said me dear he loved her when she assumed frenchified airs struck attitudes and cried ma foi he loved her when she was sad when she was glad when she was youthful and mischievous when she was serious and old when she walked beside him in the street in the hat with the curling feather when she sat on the hearth-rug in her rose-hued dress crooning songs in her soft sweet voice always and always he loved her she had crept into his heart like a ray of sunshine lighting up unused rooms she had melted his coldness as the south wind melts the frost he loved pixie and pixie was going to marry stanor vaughan stephen glenn stepped shuddering into the clammy street and away up on the fifth floor landing pixie still stood motionless holding the handle of that open door repeating to herself dreamily that he would come back he must come back he had never said good-bye chapter twenty two